You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On WBB. You can like us on Facebook. Go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes or your podcast listen of choice. You can also find us, of course, at The Summit, summithoops.com. Just launched this April, 24-7 basketball coverage, all things women's basketball, WNBA, college, anything you want. I am joined today by someone who knows a little bit about multiple roles, and that is Dallas Wins GM and President uh, Greg Bibb. Greg, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Great to be here, Howard. Thanks for having me. Place I guess we ought to start is the 2017 WNBA draft, and now there were 36 picks in the draft. My accounting of this is you had 48 of them. Is that correct? <laughs> you know, it's funny because leading up to the draft, we had five, obviously, and three of those being in the top ten. Despite that high volume of picks, I still walked around last week saying, I don't know if I have enough. You huh. never have enough picks. You never have enough picks. So take me through, for, for a GM, the days leading up to the draft, obviously having that kind of flexibility, you're having more than the usual number of conversations about trading up, trading down, different things. How many phone calls do you think you made on the two days leading up to day of the draft? I don't know how many there were made or how many there were received, but the, the phone volume was high, and that's kind of the fun part of the job, right? Trying to build a roster that can win a championship ultimately and figuring out the pieces of the puzzle because it's not always just about the best player per se. It's about how does that player fit in with what you're trying to do. So it's, it's a fun process. It's a hard process. It's a challenging process. Um, but I'd rather have the picks than not have them. No, I'm, I'm sure that's true, and you certainly made the most of them. Uh, as far as your initial pick is Evelyn Akator. Now, Evelyn was not as high up in a lot of people's mock drafts, and it's interesting. I thought about it. I had her lower than that. Uh, but you think about it after the fact, and someone who has that combination post-up, face-up game, the size that she has, the growth she showed even uh, from her first to second year at Kentucky. Take me through what your process was and how you ended up putting her so high on the board. Well, I would start by saying that there is no doubt in our collective minds here in Dallas that she was a first-round talent. And I also know for a fact that she would have been gone by 10 mm -hmm. should we have waited beyond three or four. Correct. And when you look at our roster, um, we really only had one true four coming into draft. We had Glory Johnson at the four position with the loss of Clinette Pearson. Um, we really didn't have a true backup four uh, behind Glory. So it was a need of ours. So it was a combination of need and talent of player that led us to Evelyn at number three. Now, Evelyn, in terms of her resemblance to Glory Johnson, both uh, when Glory was coming out of school and the game that she has now, do you view that as, in essence, a mentoring possibility, a mentoring situation where you're hoping to see Evelyn develop into uh, the Glory level of player? If we could get a player to reproduce the production of Glory Johnson, that would be a great thing. I don't want to put those expectations on a young player who hasn't stepped on a WNBA court yet, but I can tell you what we did in uh, We liked her engine. Uh, we liked her toughness, her competitive drive. Like the fact that she's been playing the game for a relative short amount of time. Um, 
saw her in a couple games where ultimately didn't go Kentucky's way, but she played to the very end. I think she plays beyond her size, which is a Glory Johnson trait, I believe. Yes. Uh, and she's a really smart, talented young lady. Uh, very impressive uh, credentials in terms of her academics. Um, just good kid. Uh, so we're excited to get her in. Uh, we think she can add a lot in terms of competitiveness to our training camp. Uh, I think there's a very high ceiling for her. You know, it's interesting because Mikhail Apps, who obviously had a terrific college career in her own right, but she was the one talked about at Kentucky. But certainly by the time you got to the latter part of the season, Kentucky seemed to go or not go, as Evelyn did as well. There, there were a couple of things with her game that I, I think uh, raised some red flags for people. You know, one being the question about whether her size is such that she could play the five if necessary. Do you see her as someone who is a potential five for you as well, you know, perhaps next to Glory in some lineups? I think that's to be determined. I think when we get into camp and we start mixing and matching lineups, uh, we'll have a better handle on that. Again, I, we haven't had her on the, on the court yet, so I, I would be doing a disservice to us and to the player to really think about specific roles. But I will tell you that Coach Williams loves versatility in his players, mm-hmm. and I think if there's one overarching theme into our draft class this year, it is versatility. And we'll talk about that more, I'm sure, here in a second when we get into some of the other selections. But you know, do I think she has the opportunity to do that? Potentially, yeah, if the, line, the lineup is right and the matchup is right. Um, but I want to get her to camp first and, and see what we have. That That is entirely getting ahead of ourselves, I agree with you. I do want to ask, though, one other projection question. That is, whether you think that shot is something that can be ultimately a stretch for. It seems like mechanically it's a very strong shot. Not to compare her to Necker or Gwil McKay, but obviously Necker worked really hard and was able to eventually add the three-point shot and now add it in bulk down the line. Is that something you're hoping is a part of her evolution in year one? I would certainly hope that her game will continue to evolve. Again, she's been playing in a relatively short amount of time. She's fantastic attitude, yeah. uh, real hunger to learn and develop. And I think with our addition of Taj McWilliams-Franklin as an assistant coach who will be focused on post-development, um, I think there's a great opportunity there for sure. Yeah, no and question. if you look at her numbers covered in, in, in college, you know they're all very impressive. Obviously, the rebounding numbers jump off the page a bit. But her efficiency rating also, you know, of the of the forwards that we kind of graded out in our draft class, and we had a pretty big number in yeah. that class, uh, she ranked out number one by position in efficiency, and she was number eight overall in efficiency on our entire draft board. So um, there's potential there. She's already an efficient player. I think she can extend her game, and, and I'm really excited about her coming to camp and starting her WNBA career. Yeah, really interesting. I, I mean, one of the highest ceilings in the draft at any position. So uh, I, I certainly agree with you there. It will be fascinating to see. Uh, now, let's see. So you picked picked three, and then you waited uh, no picks before making another selection with Alicia Gray at four. Now, were you of the expectation that Gray would come out, or was that a pleasant surprise relatively late in your scouting process? I think it's probably a little bit of a surprise. We were obviously, like most folks, uh, waiting to hear on some of the other names that were being bantered about for much of the collegiate season. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Olivia and Kayla obviously made that decision, they instantly grabbed our attention and were 
you know, input into our process, and obviously they graded out very high for us, and, and we were thrilled not only to get Alicia, but then to land Kayla as well. I think it was uh, a band of first round for us. And, you know, it's worth talking about them collectively, because, you know, again, you know, for listeners, I'm sure know this, but getting Kayla Davis at 10 as well, you're getting teammates, you're getting champions, but you're also getting players who demonstrated a little more in the NCAA tournament than they did over the course of the regular season. It's just by definition. When Elena Coates went out, more was asked of Gray, and significantly more was asked of Kayla Davis in terms of what she was doing out of the high post, in terms of her ability to create from the wing, making sure that there was uh, support on the boards, in the case of both Gray and Davis, for Asia Wilson. How much of what you saw in the NCAA tournament altered, enhanced your thinking about those two players? Well, they seem to play well in Dallas. So we have 17 <laughs> of those dates on our calendar this year, so that was a positive for us. But no, seriously, we like players who play big in big games, and I think they, these two demonstrated that on the on the title run for South Carolina. They demonstrated an ability to win uh, at a high level throughout their relatively short basketball careers. Uh, but again, I think the thing that sticks out the most for us uh, with these two players is the versatility mm-hmm. and the multiple positions that both can play. And I think, you know, that's going to fit nicely with Coach Williams and his system. And I think it's going to give us an opportunity to set out a, a bunch of different looks depending on who we're playing and try to uh, maximize potential around matchups. And I'm really excited about these two young players in our camp and, and being able to exploit that versatility. Kayla Davis, is she a two, a three, and a four for you potentially based on lineups that you have? Again, back to what I said about Akator, I don't want to set an expectation before day one of camp, but I would certainly say coming into camp, the consideration is there that she'll get a book at all three of those positions. Very interesting. I'm so curious to see what she's able to do here at the next level, because like you said, you know, she really found another level if you look at her true shooting percentage, it was 49% during the year, which is very, you know, very solid. But she was up around 65% over the course of the NCAA tournament against some really top-flight competition. I, I guess bottom line is, do you think that what you saw in the NCAA tournament out of Gray and Davis represent a new true talent level? Players are always developing. I would like to think it's the start, not the end, of where they're going to be as players. No, uh, fair, but I, I guess I mean, do you think they've reached something new there? Because the flip side of that, obviously, is it's six games. It's a relatively small sample. It is a small sample, but we really didn't evaluate them solely on the six games. Certainly that helped the cause and kind of opened our eyes a bit to what they can do. But the evaluation process around those players, when I said when they entered, they kind of entered a mix, that's a little bit uh, inaccurate. They obviously were being evaluated throughout the season. We don't wait until players last year of eligibility to start to consider them, especially when you know you have teammates that are also being scouted. Certainly we had evaluated them and we had a sample size far greater than six games on them, but the six games that you're referencing certainly helped their case in our mind yeah. in terms of their ability to compete at a high level in our league. And again, it's a match of talent versus need and we definitely wanted to get um, more versatility on the roster. We wanted to get a little bit bigger uh, in the backcourt. Uh, and we were looking to fill a need at that three, kind of four position. So with, with Davis, we get that plus a little bit more. And with Gray, we get the big guard. He could also slip over and play some three. So 
Uh, we kind of checked a lot of boxes, and we, we knew we had a hunch that Gray would be available to us in that 3-4 area. Right. Um, we were surprised Davis was available at 10, and we jumped at the opportunity when it presented itself. Yeah, it was interesting. A, a WNBA talent evaluator had said to me uh, uh, the expectation was both Gray and Davis would go somewhere between four and seven. So to see it play out that way, it really seems like in a lot of ways you got three of, you could argue, the top seven talents in this draft. Uh, so that alone would have earned you an A from the official uh, uh, report card of the summit. But there's more, if you can believe that, uh, listeners. And I am really impressed by what you did late in this draft. So the place to start there is round two, pick 11, and Brianna Lewis, the center out of Kansas State, someone with it seems to me legit WNBA five size and someone who particularly impressed me in her play against Connecticut. So I guess, is that the game that really set her off for you when you were thinking about what she could potentially be against highest levels of competition? No, again, here's another play. I was kind of surprised there wasn't more discussion about her in a relatively small, you know, true post or true five class. There didn't seem to be a lot of talk about her, but we have been following her now for the better part of two years. You're right. She has a legit 6'5". She has WNBA five position physical attributes, um, and we really like her game. And as a matter of fact, you know, she probably would have been where we went at 10 if Davis hadn't been there. And we had right. to think hard about that. As much as we love Davis and the opportunity to get her there, you know, we were a little concerned because our next pick was at 23 would Lewis still be there? And ultimately we decided we, we couldn't pass on Davis. Uh, but we were thrilled when Lewis was there at 23 for us. We were very excited to have her coming into our camp. Um, and we feel fortunate that we were able to get the three kids we did up top and still be able to get Lewis at 23. We thought that was a huge win for us. Is her offensive game something that you think is built for the way that Fred likes to play? And... I guess I'm just thinking in terms of what pace is your ideal pace to be playing at when you think of this wins roster. Uh, Coach Williams likes to push the pace. He likes an exciting brand of basketball. I think Brianna helps us in that regard, but what I think Brianna really brings to the table for us, it it addresses a need, again, back to the need issue, uh, a need that was very obvious last year and that we need to have a rim protector and a, an interior defender who can alter the opposition strategy offensively against us. Last year we struggled there mightily, and if you watch game tape of us, it was kind of like Groundhog Day in terms of what the opposition did to exploit us, and right. we think adding Brianna to the roster gives us an opportunity to address that need. Do you think over the long term, it, that's a question, a combination of Brianna and Ruth Hamblin? I know Ruth is, you know, missing the 2017 season. Uh, maybe. Time will tell. You know, uh, we support Ruth and her decision to join, uh, to attempt to join the Canadian national team. It's a long-time dream of hers, and then to ultimately help her home country, you know, compete for a world championship. Um, you know, hope out there. Obviously, she goes. She has success, uh, and she continues to develop as a, a player. She then plays overseas uh, in the winter, and then she comes back to us better than ever um, next year. Um, so, you know, Ruth is six six. Brianna is six five. You know, we haven't talked about Kelsey Wang yet, but she comes right. into camp at six five. 
you know, suddenly we have some size that we didn't have a year ago, and that's exciting. It's fascinating. You know, Telsey Lane is being asked to, was being asked, rather, to replace Imani Boyette, who was top 10 both in terms of block percentage and rebounding percentage nationally last year, and the extent to which she was able to do it. I, I mean, we're, we're jumping ahead beyond uh, the final of your draft picks, but Kelsey Lane, someone who is in that consideration for a significant role, uh, you know, when you think about how you're going to fill the five with this roster? Well, we wouldn't invite her to camp. We wouldn't invite any player to camp if we didn't think they had a legitimate shot to come in and compete and earn a roster spot. Now, that said, we're going to have an extraordinarily competitive training camp. Um, how it falls out, I don't know yet. Again, we haven't had practice number one, but I'm excited to get all of these players on the court and see what they can do. It's going to be fascinating to see for sure. And we're not even done with <laughs> your draft picks yet. The final pick you made, uh, third round, pick number two, Sanaya Chan, someone who I've been relatively obsessed with in terms of her game on the defensive end. And, you know, I couldn't help but look up in on Synergy, defensive points per possession. Chan was among players with at least 200 possessions, third in the country in defensive points per possession. Was that one of the metrics that jumped out at you when you were thinking about what Sean could potentially be for you guys? Well, again, defense was a theme for us coming into this offseason because it was a challenge for us during last season. Yeah. Uh, in any way we could give ourselves an opportunity to improve on that end of the court, we were going to try to take it. Uh, and, and in Sean, you get that per, per the metrics that you just um, addressed, provided. Uh, also, you cannot in my mind anyway, you cannot discount the program that she comes from. Mm -hmm. uh, and the attitude that comes from there and the expectation that comes from there and the preparation that comes from there, uh, at pick 26 to add a player of her caliber from that program, um, no-brainer to us. You know, uh, yeah, I, mean, I mean, and Gino speaks glowingly of her. Even, even after the, the unfortunate way that her college career ended, Gino had nothing but good things to say about her as well. So it, it's, it's one of these situations where she can shoot the three, which is another area that, you know, um, I'm sure you guys were looking to address uh, in terms of uh, jumping up uh, and being more efficient from there. Uh, do you ultimately see her as a one in this league, or do you see her as someone uh, who could you know, potentially play off the ball as well? Uh, again, early, but I, I was looking at her more as a one. Yeah. Listen, I, she obviously is elite defensively. I think people are going to be surprised. I think she's sneaky good offensively. If anyone out there is familiar with her background, you know, coming out of high school, hmm. She was not as good as they got offensively. Um, so I think when we get her into camp, we're going to be surprised, and then others are going to be surprised at the offensive part of her game and what she can bring to the table. Uh, and then obviously the defense is top-notch, and it will be interesting to see her compete as well. Uh, I, I, this is fun, right? Well, we get top five picks every year. <laughs> exactly. You should speak to the league about that. I'm, I'm sure no other teams would have any <laughs> issue with it. Uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right about it on the offensive end. There are defenders uh, in Westchester, which is just over the bridge for me, you know, here in the lower Hudson Valley in New York, who I'm sure still have nightmares thinking about the, the type of night she put up when she was in Austin. 
the other offensive player, uh, I shouldn't say offense only, but a significant offensive player that you brought into camp is Kalani Purcell out of BYU, uh, who can shoot the lights out. Again, with Kalani, what what was the attraction, the level of interest, and are you surprised you were able to get her beyond pick 36, frankly? I was mildly surprised, yeah. We had, you know, kind of earmarked her should she fall off the draft board. She was going to be the first call, uh, actually kind of 1-1A, one one her and, and, and Kelsey Lang, in mm-hmm. terms of who we would be pursuing as this training camp in But yes, I've been impressed with her for a couple of years at BYU. Uh, I think she obviously can shoot the ball well. I think she's a very good rebounder for her position. I think she's solid defensively. I had an opportunity to see her at a combine during Final Four week here in Dallas after seeing her once or twice this past year uh, in her collegiate season. And I liked what I saw during the combine and how she competed against the other players who were at the combine. So I think, you know, she's another great add to our camp and it's going to, you know, push everyone else that's in camp and it's going to create an ultra-competitive environment for us. I can't talk to a GM or a coach who doesn't mention this, and I'm curious what your thoughts are about it as well, but just the opportunity to have a WNBA draft combine to do it the way the NBA does it, to have everyone gathered in a, in a particular place for, you know, say a four or five day period. How valuable would that be to you as a talent evaluator? Well, you know, obviously the more opportunity you get to see players, the better. And if you can have multiple players in one geographic location, that makes life easier. I think there's legitimate reasons why it's happened in the past and legitimate reasons why it hasn't happened recently. Um, but yeah, obviously, any any chance you get to look at players competing in one their location uh, is a positive. I mean, is so it, I would welcome that opportunity to present it, itself again. It's your hope that that will happen. In other words, I would love to see it happen, yeah. but I understand why it hasn't. What? Tell me. Tell, I mean, what what do you see? I mean, is it simply a question of financials? Is it? Uh, you know what? What? What is that decision-making process? I know. I know that's something that you know fans are are curious about. Well, I think there's a lot of considerations that go into it, and you also have to recognize just because you decide you're going to hold a combine doesn't mean you're going to get all the players you want to see at that combine to attend. That's true. And then it becomes a cost-benefit analysis. So, you know, I think there's positives to the process. I think there's some challenges with it. I know it's something that is constantly being discussed among GMs and league personnel. Um, don't know if it's going to happen again. Wouldn't be surprised if it did. Um, but, any, again, back to my original comment, anytime you get an opportunity to see uh, multiple players you're interested in in one location, that's a positive. Both, both for what you do and what I do. I sure hope it does. When you think in terms of this roster and how much better they're going to be. So, you, you know, you go by defensive efficiency. Like you said, you guys were 12th of 12 last year. Do you see this as a roster that can be a top five defensive team? You know, what are, what are, what are the benchmarks for you when you think about what, what this roster ought to be? Well, listen, we were, we were last last year, so we have a long way to go to get the fifth. I don't know what the number is. I just know we need to improve in that area of our game if we want to have any success and qualify for the playoffs, which is goal one. I get back to the playoffs, I should say, after the 2015 season. And I think a lot of different factors go into our success. Obviously, our defensive efficiency and our ability to defend is, is probably at the top or near the top of that list. 
We also were dealing with some significant injury issues last year, and I'm not making excuses because it's part of the game. Every team deals with injury issues, but I felt like we were really bitten by it last year. I never were able to get out of the gate or get healthy at any point during the season. And it's a very competitive league. The best 144 players in the world, as you know, and the margin between winning and losing is very, very slim. And player health plays a big part of that. And last year we just couldn't seem to stay healthy or get healthy for any sustained amount of time. I mean, in retrospect, when you think about Skyler, and and people heal at different rates, and you're coming back at different times, but... You know, you say you say you don't want to make excuses, but that's just, that's just the reality. Your team was not as healthy as it was reasonable for you to expect it to be coming into the year. If you had it to do over again, would you have waited longer? Are there things that uh, you you would have done differently in terms of how and when you brought her back? As I tell the staff, or I've been telling the staff, I'm really not interested in looking back. I want to look forward, and I'm not. I'm not alluding your question, Howard. It's just how I believe we need to go about things from this point forward. What I will tell you is, uh, as you would expect, being the elite worker that she is, Skyler has been working her tail off this offseason. I've had an opportunity to watch her work out a couple of different times, and she looks different than she looked last year. Uh, And I'm excited, I'm beyond excited, for her to get on the court and compete in training camp and get ready for this year because I think we're going to see the Skylar Diggins that we saw in 2015 and before. And as Skylar goes, the wings go. So that's an exciting thing for us to consider. I mean, people, people forget about it because the season was cut short, but she was playing at an MVP pace in 2015. No doubt about it. I mean, without question. No doubt about it. And, 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 and the team was off to that great stop, too. Um, yeah, the team was seven and one or eight and one, and and she was playing MVP level basketball, and then unfortunately, you know, the, the injury occurred, and that is a long road back. And yeah. again, no one works harder than her, so I know she was frustrated, uh, and we were frustrated for her because the work was certainly being put in. Uh, but seeing her this off season, um, very encouraging. Do you, uh, I'm excited for her and excited for the organization to see her play this year. I mean, it's such a great point. You, you know, the work ethic is unquestioned. It's the reason why, and it was always striking to me that you guys committed to her through 2019 before she even returned from the injury. So that was a vote of confidence that obviously was based on the type of worker she was, and we talked about it at the time. But do you see her? Is she at 100%, do you think? Do you think she is where she was pre-injury? I think she feels better than she's felt in a long time. What that number is, I'm not sure, but I think she would tell you she feels better than she's felt in a long time. So that's good enough for me at this point. Well, it, it's listen, it's exciting for everyone who follows the game, and uh, it's also got to be exciting for you on a business side that uh, now that she's uh, changed her last name to reflect her marital status, you guys get to sell a bunch of new jerseys. So it seems like it's a win for everybody <laughs> involved. We're happy that Skyler uh, has found, you know, her partner. And similarly, you know, Karima Christmas was recently married, and she's now Karima Christmas Kelly, and she married a great young man. So uh, the Dallas Wings family is growing, and we're excited about that. And I, so I'll just do the work for you. WNBAstore.com would be the way to update your collection to go with it. <laughs> so before I let you go, is there any other aspect to this offseason that you think hasn't been talked about enough Anything that you think is overlooked as you're heading into camp that you are particularly excited about? 
Well, we mentioned you mentioned Skyler and her health. I think the other other player that last year demonstrated an elite playing level, but also was challenged with injury, was Glory Johnson. Oh yeah. And the thought of having Glory Johnson available and healthy is really exciting. If you followed it all overseas, what she was able to accomplish this year, and the numbers are remarkable. First in China, then in Turkey. Uh, and if you look at her numbers in a small sample size last year, when healthy. Uh, she put up some fantastic numbers. We're talking like 2020 games, and she was on her way to a second 2020 game in Atlanta before she got hurt again. So um, I think she took that next step last year, although we didn't have enough of her, to be sure. And then what I saw overseas this year, I would kind of validate that thinking. So, again, getting her into camp uh, is exciting. Everyone feels great this time of year, right? Like I always tell people around here, it's the best job in the world uh, when it's April. <laughs> um, proof in the pudding here real soon. Uh, we haven't lost since September. <laughs> so things feel great to us, just like they probably feel great to everyone. Everyone's probably looking at their roster after draft saying, oh my gosh, this is the year we're ready to go, and rightly so. But I really feel that way this year about this club. I think we have a lot of opportunity. I think we have a lot of options. I think we have the right coaching staff in place. The market has been great to us. We're excited about our second year. You know, knock on wood, we stay healthy. I think this could be a really good year for Dallas Wings basketball. Well, I I don't disagree with you, and and I'm glad you mentioned Glory because I don't know how many uh, fours there are in this league who at age 26 have already been uh, a two-time All-Star, someone who provides that kind of inside-outside game. It's going to be very interesting to me to see how she presents the game that, like you said, she has been dominating overseas uh, here in the United States. So, yes, uh, I, I'm eager to see it, as I'm sure you are as well. And so, Greg Bibb, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Uh, we really appreciate your time and wish you the best of luck this year. Howard, thank you so much for the window. We'll talk again soon. Absolutely. And a reminder to our listeners, you can hear this and every other conversation we have at Locked on WBB on Twitter. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes. And don't forget to visit The Summit at summithoops.com for all your women's basketball coverage needs. I am Howard Meddahl wishing you a wonderful night.